Next question, yes. Um, this is a good segue to my, my question. I'm Michael LaBelle, professor of physics at CCNY, one of the top directors for um, OEP. You've spoken about the policy bottlenecks, but now we're getting into another issue, which is the technological bottlenecks. I mean, Herschel mentioned the Category 5, but there were also materials questions, and when we get involved with the grid, how what, what technologies are going to be needed for that, and how much we're actually investing in R&D to tackle these things. If any of you have any thoughts on that? Uh, so, so I'll start, and when we think about it from the grid, um, one of the things we want to make sure that we do is we think we can add value by making sure offshore wind or large-scale renewables integrates to the grid and moves throughout the grid the most cost-effective way possible. So the way we see doing that is um, evolving and adapting, and we look at new technologies to help us evolve and adapt. One great example that we think about and looking at very hard and doing some big pilots on is, as I mentioned before, our concern is um, the network will be constrained. Well, I could solve that constraint by building out a lot of transmission, right? But that's going to be on the back of end-use customers, right? So I don't want to do that. So I said, how do I find technologies that help me deliver and drive um, more power through my existing assets? How can I optimize the most out of my existing assets? How can I get another megawatt through a conductor on a transmission line? So there, we're looking at technologies like dynamic line rating technologies and other grid-enhancing technologies um, that will you know, look at ambient temperature, look at the wind that day, and let me determine that I can actually push a little bit more power through the network. So we're, we're piloting about four different vendors with dynamic line rating technologies, all do it slightly differently. And we're finding that they're probably best served, there's no one winner, they're best served in different situations on our network. But that's how we're looking at and thinking about technology and research and how it can solve a problem. In this case, the problem was constraints on the network. It's not going to solve everything, but I do think it can help us think about it a little differently. What about materials uh, for the turbines? Yeah, I mean, your question originally was adequacy of funding for these sort of things. The short answer yep. is that we're not nearly enough funding research and development on this because offshore wind is just so big. Like the physical characteristics of this push the limits of modern material science. My favorite example of this is that we are now building a project off the coast of Maryland with General Electric using a brand new machine. This is a, a turbine that produces 12 megawatts each single machine each of the blades, each of the, the rotors is 220 meters in diameter across. You can literally fit three Airbus A380s in, inside of it. And there are brakes inside the machine because even though it is designed to spin only up to about 18 RPMs, at 18 RPMs, the blade tips approach the sonic barrier. Mm -hmm. So it's just really big stuff. There needs to be a lot of of research done on continuing to advance this. That said, this is a point at which New York stands at a really unique advantage. The work that Matt and John and Alicia are all doing within NYSERDA is not only purchasing energy from offshore wind, but the very fact that New York had the foresight to create an institution like NYSERDA that simultaneously purchases renewable energy but also invests in research in things like the National Offshore Wind 
Technology Consortium. I, I'm sure I butchered that. Um, but uh, big investments like that by NYSERDA and by Department of Energy are starting to help move that forward. And given the magnitude of this market, it will help. Let me speak to that a little bit. Uh, you're from CCNY? Yes, I am. It's my alma mater. Very nice. There we go. <laughs> a long time ago. Uh, as, as was mentioned, uh, the, the National Offshore Wind Research and Development Consortium is the beginning of the research that's going to need to get done. It's $40 million, so it's a pretty good pot of research. And if you look at our roadmap, if you go into our webpage, you can see the roadmap, and it's a number of pillars. The first pillar, as I think about it, looks at the construction end of things. How do you build them better? How do you build them cheaper? The second pillar looks at the modeling of the wind and how do you make it more efficient. And the third pillar kind of goes to really developing the delivery system and the offshore wind industry. But this is only the beginning. With the order of magnitude of the size of this industry, we're hoping that the industry players will invest in more research and development so that this effort will continue into the future because it's got to be continuous. As the system changes, Rudy mentioned it, we've got to look at innovation. We've got to look at new technologies. So R&D is a big part of it. I also will make a little plug for the consortium. You should look at our webpage. If any of you are interested in bidding or finding research on any of these projects, we would certainly welcome that. So there's an opportunity to get some money and do some research. CCNY would be a good place. Thank you. Thanks, Bob.